0: I mean real estate real estate in Hawaii is like really expensive right now like right like all the billionaires are like buying it up. Yeah. Um, this this was how I found out Oprah has land in Hawaii.
1: Oh, um, not, not not Oprah. 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 Not Oprah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh
1: no, my god. Oprah. We Oprah needs to be in conversation with herself. That's, that's
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh no. Well,
1: Welcome to the Politically Asian Podcast, where two Asian American comedians talking about politics and the Asian American community in hopes of getting more Asians to talk about politics. We're coming at you live from Brooklyn, New York. My name is Aaron Yin. My pronouns are he, him, and you can find me on social media at Aaron Flarin. That's
0: A-A-R-O-N-F-L-A-R-I-N. And my co-host. Hey, my name is Jerry Lim. My pronouns are they, them. And you can find me across the internet at Jerry Yaki. That's G-E-R-R-I-E-Y-A-K-I.
1: All right. So before we go into the news, we're going to start with our segment, Practice What You Preach. So on this pol- uh, on this podcast, Jerry and I, we talk a lot about politics, but it's also important to do things. So each week, Jerry and I share one thing we did in real life related to politics or organizing. Um, this week, I'll go first, uh, This week, to me, was pretty normal. Once again, just the weekly picket in front of the Museum of Chinese in America. Very, very cold today. Like, 29 degrees. It was, like, it said it was snowing the entire day. Um, It ended up being just very cold rain, but just, like, a solid, you know, just 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., as always. I will say one cool thing about doing this picket for a while, though, is that for sure more people know about it. Like, there are more people who are like, oh, I've gotten a flyer before. I know what's happening. And then today there was, like, this guy who was like, I saw you on Instagram before for the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, let's take a flyer. But, yeah, just just the usual Sunday picket thing.
0: I feel like really cold rain is uh, pretty much worse than actual snow.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um. I mean, I will say the hardest parts about picket in general are either the freezing rain in winter, or the you know one hundred plus degrees of summer—it's it's truly a toss up to which one's worse.
0: Yeah, those sound equally bad. But that sounds really cool. That like it, it sounds like it's um it's growing. You've seen it grow. Um, and uh, do you think like in the new year, somehow y'all will ramp up social media efforts to grow?
1: Yeah, we can. I mean, it's me and a few other people kind of managing that. I mean, we sh- we should and we can, but ultimately, like social media is also not the you know, like the true end game for this. Um, oh, for sure. We're always like, okay, it's all about people first and this group existed way before the internet. Um, but yeah, it's so like whenever there's a big event, for example, so next Saturday, December 17th, a lot of home care workers, they, they saw the news about the teachers protesting against Mocha. and yeah. the home care workers now want to do their own version of that also in front of Mocha. They're kind of tying it in like a broad struggle against you know racism against Asian people, why um, mm-hmm. they either, either through like economic exploitation or displacement? So it's more of these more systemic level things. But yeah, they 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 feel really excited, and we'll we'll try to broadcast that one as much as possible.
0: Awesome. So like, where can people go to find more information about uh, your, what you're picketing about and the uh, home care workers and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, for the picket, I would say uh, you can always just Google, you know, protest in front of Museum and Chinese of America. Um, there was a really good, like, New York Magazine article on this. Um, tons of hypoallergic articles as well. For home care stuff, similarly, just Google, like, home care worker protest. Uh, <laughs> and you'll see a lot of articles because these this have been going on a lot of times. And every single time, um, there's a lot of local news people just covering us, every, which is, you know, really good. But, yeah, just honestly, just Google each one. You'll find your way there.
0: Neat. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Yeah.
1: Okay. What about you?
0: So, I have started – I've challenged myself – to volunteer um and i think like that's gonna be my bigger challenge uh you know if like the past couple months has been like donating and like making sure like i i hit like a certain amount of donations every month also just like donating my time by volunteering so next year i want to volunteer more long term than what i'm volunteering with now um so right now i'm volunteering with lunar new year for all it is just a queer i want to say asian but Honestly, I feel like it's Chinese American, <laughs> um, and they they're helping to organize like a queer uh, Lunar New Year celebration. So just doing stuff with them.
1: Yep. Oh, nice, nice. Have they been around for mm-hmm. a while?
0: Uh, I think so. I I I don't have my notes on me because I'm a nerd and I take meeting notes. But I think they've been around for at least like ish years. Oh, okay. Um So yeah.
1: Where they having the? Uh, do they have a place yet for the celebration?
0: Um, I, no, I, that's, like, on the, on the list of to-dos, because, uh, fun fact, uh, Lunar New Year's, like, coming up really soon. It's, like, next yeah, month. Yeah, it's really soon. That's why I was like, yeah. I Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 uh,
1: ho- hopefully y'all can still find a venue for it, too. I mean, depending on how many yeah, people show up.
0: Weirdly, like, the, the parade is on the 12th of February, so, like, it's, there's still a lot of time, um, mm. but, yeah, I thought that was interesting. I, I... I don't know. I, I, I'm sure it'll be fine.
1: <laughs> nice. And yeah. I, I guess maybe last question is, do you know a lot of people there already or you know, making friends? How, how's that whole social, social thing going?
0: I mean, there's like literally like eight of us. So there's not oh, a lot. Of, okay. Yeah, really it's really yeah. small. It's really small. And then there's three. I get the sense of like three people who have been here, who had been there for a while that are doing it. Um, and I only recognize one other person because when you're queer and Asian and you live in New York, you just kind of run in certain circles. I recognize them from like um, Q wave, which is another. Yeah. 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 So that's about it. But um, we meet for an hour every other week. And um, I am putting my evil tech job to good use is how I like to say it. Cause like I'm helping out with like website and like stuff like that. Mm,
1: Nice. Nice. Yeah. I mean, every other week, I guess you got about four every other weeks left
0: yeah 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 i
1: mean it sounds exciting it sounds like at least three of them have been doing this for a while so i mean that that sounds like it'll go fine
0: yeah yeah cool
1: all right so let's get into the news so this week before we start with our you know main topics we did want to provide quick updates on two previous segments that we had covered in previous episodes the first one is about china and its covid restrictions so recently, after all these protests, China has been, you know, reducing the strictness of its zero COVID policies, specifically a lot of people. They don't have to do daily COVID tests in you know, major popular cities uh, if they test positive for COVID, but they have less severe symptoms. They don't have to go to a centralized facility. They can stay at home. Those are some examples of the changes. But yeah, Jerry, how did you feel about this? I guess sudden change since last week.
0: Yeah, I was really surprised with this turnaround. Um, I it feels almost like they heard the podcast and changed their mind. No, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was so you sent over a Washington Post thingy content yeah. Instagram post, and I thought it was like this is like conspiracy theory tin foil hat. But I feel like the way they wrote the caption, and I I like just opened it again to kind of read it, but they were talking about like. Apartment stairwells and floors are no longer high-risk zones and blah, 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 um, I feel like the way it talks about some of the restrictions, on one half it's just reporting, but on the other half, I can't help if it's like, it feels like almost like anti-science rhetoric. You know what I mean? Like if we have another pandemic and like the CDC or someone is like trying to like put in some like, restrictions or like some some guidelines i can see people being like what are we a bunch of asians you know oh, like
1: does that yeah. make sense yeah i mean in the, in the comment yeah uh no I, I can see that
0: what did you think yeah
1: <laughs> i mean i uh yeah there are a lot of new guidelines you know they call it the 10 point plan i did not read the entire 10 point plan but yeah i mean potentially i feel, I feel like even if the cdc did that no one would care anymore i feel like true here in america CDC trust is on an all time low. You know, also at zero. That's 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 our version of zero COVID, um, zero yeah. trust in CDC. But there was this interesting Nature article um, that <laughs> just they just interviewed a whole bunch of scientists and what they thought. And you know, they were like, "Oh, it's it's uh, you know an interesting change," and but they are also worried about the fact that it might lead to a rise in infections, also because it's winter and because Lunar New Year's is happening recently. And because it's a sudden change and from like Mm. national to local level, like there might be a lot of things lost in translation. So Mm -hmm. everyone's saying like they're anticipating an uptick in cases, but overall people seem a little happier.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess this is very much like, we'll see how it goes. I think the other concern is like, do I, do I remember this correctly? Is the COVID vaccine that China produced? Like I remember reading, That it wasn't as effective. Like I feel like that's also another problem for them, right? Oh, right.
1: Yeah i I don't even remember that. I barely remember the name was like Sinovac, wasn't it? Yeah, Sinovac. Yeah, yeah. I truly have no idea. Um, I I was talking to a friend in China though, and he was like, "Yeah, it was the protests were pretty effective in getting the measures dropped, and people are, you know, people used to stress a lot about the quarantine and the family separation and all that stuff, but now they're finally more worried about, you know, getting COVID. So definitely a Signs here and there of like oh. a shift since last week. But, yeah, I mean, I feel like we'll kind of follow up on this maybe in a month or two when when we see more yeah. numbers and stuff. but it, but it is cool to see like a you know reasonably like like pretty fast response to like a lot of public protest,
0: yeah, all right. Well, moving on to our other update that we wanted to do. Um, so if anyone's been following the Georgia elections, Warnock uh, won the Georgia runoff that happened recently. And it came out that this poll, revealed that asian americans heavily voted for him which like great job georgia yeah, <laughs> asian americans yeah, for not embarrassing us thank uh, you
1: yeah. <laughs> what did you think yeah i agree with that i mean as always i feel like the you know, i was like oh i guess your your flyers in different languages did work and also maybe you know a lot of outreach on the day of um i am always interested in the exact you know, breakdowns between ethnicities and just to give, mm. you know, listeners a sense of like the breakdowns. So Bangladeshi Americans had the highest support for Warnock, um, who is, you know, the Democrat candidate at ninety-six percent. Oh wow. Chinese Americans, lowest support at sixty-one. Let's go, cool. baby. No-
0: <laughs> but but it's still it's still like over fifty. Yeah, and, it's still over it, 50. you know <laughs> yeah.
1: still over fifty and uh, yeah, I think there is also just a huge age age difference. Uh, the numbers are saying that Asian people who are eighteen to twenty nine, they had a ninety two percent support for Warnock. Uh, people seventy and older had sixty two percent. So definitely like a generational, um, you know, difference. But I, I feel like that's kind of expected no matter who the candidate is, whether it's like you know Democrat Republican.
0: Yeah, I think the age breakdown is really interesting, and I'm gonna quote something that I saw on TikTok. Um, Because, you know, there's all this talk about, (laughs) there's all this talk about red waves, but I, I saw someone in the comments, I can't remember the content of the TikTok, but someone in the comments was like, Red graves equals blue waves. And I was just uh, so shook. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. And that's what I think of every time I hear like, oh yeah, young people voted primarily blue. And then like old people voted primarily red. I was like, mm. Mm. mm.
1: Is, uh, <laughs> it's cashy. It's like red graves equals blue equals waves. Equals blue waves. That's like true. I would get I would low key get that on the shirt. Yeah, like I was like <laughs> exactly.
0: That's pretty uh, funny, First merch line. Yeah, first merch line. <laughs> yeah, first merch
1: line. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh. All right. So let's go into the main news segments of this episode. So this week in Asian American politics, we are starting in Hawaii. So first headline for this week, the return of native Hawaiian ancestral lands is blocked by a lot of military failures. So the summary is that there are a lot of islands in Hawaii that still have explosives in the ground. I mean, that's the the simple language. Um, the the formal term is UXO, which stands for unexploded ordnance. But honestly, just think of them like landmines and you know things that explode when you make contact. In a in a lot of um, Waikoloa maneuver area, so that's like the general region for those ancestral lands. Um, I think that's enough background. Jerry, what are your thoughts about this situation?
0: What is the deal with the West putting exploding things into the ground and just fucking leaving them there? Because yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of like Southeast Asia and like what they did to that peninsula, right? Yes,
1: like, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, parts of like um like Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam yeah. um, still have mm-hmm. just there, there's a whole Vice documentary on how there's still tons of like landmines under. I think I think specifically Vietnam actually just still a lot yes. of landmines buried in places and. You know, a lot of people have careers just trying to like clear the field of these things.
0: I there's this piece in the MoMA that makes me like gives me weird emotions which like it's art, maybe it's supposed to do that. But it's like this it looks like a I don't know if you've seen it. It looks like a, a one of those puffs from a dandelion and it's it's like um a giant ball and like it's a bunch of rods and at the end of each rod is like a weight. And so what they do is they they push these balls onto the fields and they like the weight will like trigger the mine and like that's that's oh. home, like just chilling out. Oh, what yeah. The hell? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that's the, that's the backup if they run out of the other ones. It's like Yeah. We <laughs> yeah. have one last piece. Yeah, I will say, um, for a sense of time as well, it's been over eight years since this, you know, problem was supposed to be fixed. I mean technically these this problem should have been fixed uh I guess 60ish years ago World War 2 Or just like never do ago. it
0: never <laughs> do yeah. it stop putting mines <laughs> in <laughs> the ground guys like uh, yeah, we don't yeah. know where they are
1: <laughs> Yeah these um so these were used during like practice drills essentially during World War 2 so they I guess I guess they got enough what practice is, and didn't what need them What is the anymore.
0: practice there? But what, but you what know, uh, are you
1: practicing? What are you practicing? Uh, <laughs> I feel like practicing finding them? I, I don't know. But, but, but,
0: but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. They're just, they're just there. Uh, it's truly... Yeah, this is a uh, minesweeper IRL. But, uh, yeah, I think the the trickiest part of this thing, and I feel like this is a classic bureaucracy problem, is that there's no... There's no legal, um, like there's no law that says specifically who has to pay for it. And so right now there are two different government bodies kind of doing some kind of like responsibility hot potato right now. Um, one of them, you know, like well, one of them is the Department of Hawaiian Homelands. This was like a okay. department, you know, established specifically for this type of thing to help Native Hawaiians gain access to their ancestral lands. But that department saying no it should just be the federal government overall you know not this specific department helping out with this case so it's it seems like a little you know back and forth back and forth you know between biden and the specific department and it's been eight years and nothing's happened
0: (laughs) i don't even know what to say to that like (laughs) like of course like of course it is that just sounds like typical government like bullshit yeah, well, I mean, I think it
1: specifically happened, like even in New York City, like with with home care stuff, it's the same thing. Everyone's like, "Oh, the state should pay for it, but they should pay for it." But, um, uh, I think I think the difference is that in this case, there truly is no law saying like one person has to pay for it. Um, and in- like home care cases, it's like written on paper that like one person, this person, is the first person in charge,
0: right? But I think right. what's
1: annoying about this Hawaii case is that there's none, and so tr- truly, like, what's to stop them both from just like, going back and forth for forever, yo. Like, like I, it's been eight years so far, but I don't see any end to this. Uh, again, it's like political hot potato.
0: I mean, like, if only these people weren't so evil. But, like, you know, you could tell real estate developers, like, hey, there's some, like, sexy looking land over there. If you clean up the mines... You know, it's all yours, and then like take it back from them <laughs> before they can do anything. But I mean, yeah. real estate—real estate in Hawaii is like really expensive right now. Like, right? Like all the billionaires yeah. are like buying it up. Yeah. This—this um, this was how I found out Oprah has land in Hawaii. Oh, um, not, not, not Oprah. No, Oprah. Oprah.
1: We. No. We. Oprah needs to be in conversation with herself. that's that's <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no!
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, this is part of the reason why a lot of Native Hawaiians are, you know, really mad about this is because like everyone else has been bought up, and so these ancestral lands are, I guess, like real estate proof. So, I mean, ideally, you just give it to them and they can set up their own land.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's, I, uh, it's really wild. I, I feel like, is there not like a. Um... Like Native Americans have, what what is it called, dude? Like
1: reservations.
0: Yeah, like so. Is is there not something similar? Because it's like, isn't I don't know all the rules around reservations, but isn't it like federally protected land? So like, how come? I guess since the bad guy in this case is also the U.S. government, like then they can't really hold themselves. I I don't
1: know. No, no. I think this is supposed to be like their version of reservations, like ancestral lands, right? It's just in this case, your ancestral lands have landmines, you know, so. Ah, the f- ant- the forefathers yeah. put yeah, them yeah. there. <laughs> Ancestral landmines, right now, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes, but uh, it seems like a kind of a bottleneck situation for now.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to Rhode Island. Yes, that's that's where this is. Um, so Brown University becomes the first Ivy League school to add official caste protections. Um some context. This is like a throwback to having Shashank on the episode, or the podcast, uh, episode 34, where we talked about caste system. Uh, for those of you don- who don't know, the caste system is like uh, it's a societal organization system in India. Um, it organizes society into four castes, and there's like an outcast group. Um, and for centuries, this system has dictated one's marriages, occupations, etc. Um, so now, here in the United States, as South Asian population grows, especially in um, uh, Ivy Leagues and at Brown, uh, they have decided to add caste protections. Aaron, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I thought this was a great example, again, of, you know, not all skin folk are kinfolk. Obviously, this system has been around for a while, but it's, you know, Indian people against other Indian people for a non-race related reason. I have, you know, Indian friends that I've heard about caste before, but this is the first time where I've read about it more in depth. So I guess the the lowest class, the the Dalits, Mm D-A-L-I-T-S, specifically, I guess, in India, this caste system will not give them many opportunities job-wise. So they often have to do like the most, you know, hazardous jobs or the most menial jobs, Um, a lot of like forced labor, um, sometimes, you know, limited access to resources, keeping them in poverty, segregation in housing and schools. Uh, you know, no intercast marriage. To be honest, when I read this, I was like, this this kind of reminds me of, like, America Jim Crow laws with the whole mm. you know segregated house and schools and all this kind of stuff and water and sometimes, like, water taps, too. I'm like, this is... It, it kind of reminds me of that. But um, I was... I mean, I think it's cool that Brown University is, you know, explicitly saying it. I, I was kind of curious, like, well... Like what do Ivy League students how how do they experience discrimination based on caste at a campus? And there was one CNN article that just said like they were they were called slurs, and like they they got different microaggressions and social exclusion from different campus events and stuff because of their caste identity.
0: yeah, I thought that was um there's there was a quote in the article um about uh, from a student, and they said, uh, Cast follows a South Asian community wherever they go, and I thought that was really interesting because, like, even when South Asian folks like immigrate here, you know, I think in general immigrants are like trying to leave stuff behind, right? Um, but this is like something that follows them, <laughs> mm, yeah. um, and that that was like a really interesting thing to think about because, like, when I think about my parents coming here, it's like ah, they're leaving all the bad shit behind, but like, can like it would just be really. Unfortunate, like, something like that followed them. Um, yeah. To, you know? Yeah, there was yeah. one
1: quote where, you know, they're like, oh, I've experienced multiple instances of people asking me coded question, Like, hey, guys, what's everybody's cast? And
0: I'm like, i don't think that's coded i, I, I feel like that's pretty straightforward <laughs> yeah, but uh exactly. you know not my experience so <laughs> i won't judge but I'm like yeah, that. that that sounds straightforward to me yeah
1: i feel like the more coded version is like uh you know are you are you like you know down here or are you up here? <laughs> <laughs> you know oh no kind of low or high you know but what? yeah i i To me, it's like, you know, Asian people, we all already have to deal with the question of like, hey, guys, like, where are you from? Right. Like, oh, where are you from? Were you born here? But then it's like, like,
0: like, (laughs) dude, tell me when you were at university, there was no way you hung out with like a group of Asian people. And everyone's like, where where are we all from?
1: <laughs> Where are you over- right,
0: like no one did that, no one fucking did that, yeah,
1: n- not in like a round table or a weird way, like they sometimes just might just ask like but it's you know, it's different, right, it's very casual, yeah, but
0: it's yeah. just like
1: it's just because like on top of that, you know getting that question from you know maybe outsiders, you also have people within your own race asking you a separate question meant to yeah. also exclude you right from their circle yeah you so like double layers, it's like race and then caste and then you know gender, maybe, but yeah, yeah I <laughs> um yeah but I, I you know i I think it's cool i it also just made me wonder like you know as comedians like we know a lot of like south asian people and yeah i was like i've never really heard about a south asian comedian like indian comedian talk about cast
0: oh i think i think that's more of just like kind of knowing your audience right like oh, th- maybe, just yeah. think about us right like we're we're we, we are Asian. I was about to say, we're technically Asian. No, we're all Asian. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, even at, like, Asian shows, like, um, where uh, I, I feel like you, South Asian comedians tend to know that, like, East Asians aren't really going to know about the caste system, right? Oh, Um maybe. So, like, I feel like maybe if you go to, like, a South Asian show, that might be more the case, but... I can, I, dude, like I can barely I can barely do my Costco jokes in front of white people, <laughs> and like Costco is not an Asian phenomenon, so like I can't imagine like doing something about like caste and then like right? Yeah,
1: I mean, I was I was either thinking that, or it's like are all the Indian comedians we know like of the highest class, so they you know they don't want to bring it up because like in this article in Brown oh, University, yeah. it is a lot of the um the Dalits like they have their own mm-hmm. group right, just advocating for the rights of other people in the lowest caste and right. um. Uh, you know we can you know look at the response from brown university a lot of people on the higher cast are like pressed or something because um there was one sentence that said after cal state um you know california they did the same thing two professors sued the university saying that like oh you're you're mischaracterizing our caste system and making us look bad so like when i read that i'm like yo some people are getting really butthurt about this and i feel like you're you're on the upper end like and you don't want this uh you know, invisible form of like discrimination exposed like this.
0: Oh, that's interesting. I don't even I'm trying to like even think about like how that lawsuit would have like a foot a foothold. Like would it be like religious free? I don't even know. How would, yeah, how would that- I work? I don't know. I, I wanna know like what Brown w- it would do though. You know what I mean? Like think about like in the span of like university, right? Like I feel like they're not good with like even like title nine like yeah. sexual soul and things like yeah. that so like imagine as like a south asian person having to go up to like a white student life person and being like i think i experienced caste discrimination and then this person <laughs> is like what's that you know like and then you have to explain the whole caste system instead of getting like the help you need. i don't know like what uh, yeah. what what's gonna happen what's gonna I, change <laughs>
1: yeah i mean yeah I, no, that that is a great point um yeah i I actually don't know. I mean, they so they just put it in their whole code of um like policy that they're just saying like oh cast equity like hypothetically we all have cast equity but <laughs> I,
0: it's
1: hypothetically it's like, we'll have hypothetical, it right. It's like oh like there's no you know w- w- yeah I, we'll see. Um, I do think it's it's also interesting. You know, Brown is the first Ivy League to institute this, and apparently last year like Harvard instituted the same cast protections but just for student workers in the grad student union but not the entire student body. <sighs> that was also very odd, but um <laughs> it, That's
0: that's like the the barest of the bare minimum. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> hey, if you're still listening to this podcast right now, thank you for making it this far. Um just want to do a quick shout out, uh sorry, quick plug. <laughs> if you like our podcast Please take a few seconds on your phone to go to Apple or Spotify and click five stars. That really helps us out. Um, and if you really want to support us, also, you can uh, feel free to donate on Patreon at patreon.com slash politically Asian. Um, we're currently raising money to you know, provide episode transcriptions, get a video editor, and uh, more. All right, back to the episode. And now for our next topic, we are moving to, I guess, New York City. Um, we are covering the strike at the New York Times. So for context, uh, reporters and different workers at the New York Times have been trying to negotiate for a year and a half with their bosses for a better contract. I think that mainly involves like higher pay, um, some stuff involving pension. But after a year and a half of negotiations, Nothing happened, so they staged a 24-hour strike in front of the building. um, Had a few hundred people. I think they said up to 1,100, but you know, maybe didn't everyone didn't show up. So I'd say you know, several hundred to maybe a thousand showed up on Thursday. Uh, That's I think that's enough to start with, Jerry. What are your thoughts on this situation?
0: Some shit better change because I broke my wordle streak for this. (laughs) <laughs> something better happen <laughs>
1: yeah um uh, well yeah let's get into that i mean I, I feel like that could be the question for this week's podcast too but in my opinion after reading all of this i was like y'all no 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 nothing's gonna change y'all this <laughs> to, to peel this back one at a time so um first of all this strike it it only lasted one day right it's like 24 hour strike total
0: from midnight um, to midnight, specifically. Yeah,
1: midnight to midnight. And I'm like, I, I'm thinking like, you know, when, when I did like home care strikes with um home care workers in front of their own union, you know, the, again, these are like all elderly Asian women who are like 60 plus, they did a three day strike, three mm-hmm. days. I'm like, like, <laughs> I feel like when they only do 24 hours, that's not enough time because there are several lines in these articles covering it where the management is like, oh yeah, you know, it's going to be a little hard but we're going to be okay after 24 hours. We got pre-written articles. We right. have international reporters. <laughs> I'm like, "No, we got to do you got to do this for longer. They're clearly not crying right now."
0: Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um I I saw I remember I can't remember which article I saw it in, but it was like a uh, manager saying like, "We we knew this was coming." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we yeah. prepared for it. Like, <laughs> wait, yo, wait. why does it sound like a hurricane that's not that big of a deal? Yeah. Like... <laughs> no, no, no. I,
1: I have that quote. Um the executive said, management has readied for this moment, and they could rely on the newspaper's other resources, such as its international staff, which are largely not part of the union, to fill any voids. I'm like, no, nah, <laughs> they, they, they were 100% ready for this. Um, I know you mentioned Wordle before, but according to another source familiar with audience numbers, Wordle use overall did not dip. Despite okay. calls from unionized staff, so to for Wordlers to stop playing Wordle, so I guess you could have still played Wordle.
0: <laughs> it's fine. It's, a casualty. it's I, a casualty. I'll take one for the team. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it. Yeah, I, I. That's why I feel like you know. I think a long time ago when we talked about um, Chipotle workers, Chipotle workers in New York City, um, you know, settling a lawsuit with Chipotle, and at the time you're saying how like. Obviously, this deal is not that good because Chipotle is not crying, right? Like, they're not being right. like, y'all fucked us over. Like, I hate y'all. They're like, oh, we are so happy for this deal. And likewise, yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> likewise, in this New York Times thing, management is not scared at all. They're just like, it's truly just like, uh, you know, like a, like a heavy rain day or something, right? And they're like, right. oh, back to business tomorrow. Like, it, I feel like if the New York Times wants to actually do something, they need to go on as long as it takes for this to happen.
0: If there are any New York Times Union people listening to our podcast, one, thank you, and two, um, <laughs> write a review, Three, uh, <laughs> why, why, why? Just one day, like for the life of me, I like tried researching. It took off so much time. I could not find a single like anything to explain like why it was just twenty four hours.
1: Yeah, I. Were you able to? No, I. I literally just think it's because they they can't get like a higher commitment than that. Or like they didn't set their demand high enough beyond 24 hours. Like, (laughs) like clearly like if, if uh, again, it's like that one quote by the manager. It's like, we were prepared for this we have all these pre-written stories to last us for like long like they're playing like the they're playing like the long game already it's like chestnut checkers baby you know like like, <laughs> <laughs> like truly I I don't think it did anything and I think that article that you sent me um, where the title was like from, it was an article from you know New York Mag it was just what did the times walk out change the answer truly is like nothing like in terms of demands like nothing yeah <laughs>
0: I felt that article Was like A little meanly titled And it's like (laughs) Didn't Didn't like Condé Nast Get like Just get their union Or something Like Guys (laughs) Give them a little break You know Like,
1: But I'm just like You know Like a 24 hour protest I think it It just shows A little bit of Like complacency Or like Mm. You know, you 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 think too lowly of the bosses, right? Like <laughs> you think they'll cave if after like no, 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 no.
0: But <laughs> but it's wild because there was an article that I was reading. It ironically by the New York Times themselves, and I think ah uh, here it says in 1978 they stopped working for they they went on strike for 88 days.
1: See, that is cool. That's cool.
0: <laughs> that's a lot. That's that's yeah. a big chunk of the calendar.
1: Yeah, yeah. But I, that's, that's what you need. I'm just like, yeah. Even for the home care stuff, those three days. You know, this picket line's been going on for two years. Four hours, whether it rains, sun, snow, shine, whatever. Right. Okay. It's like, okay. <laughs> I'm just like, to me, when I read this, I'm like, yeah. But uh, Aaron's like amateurs. Uh, no, like literally, I'm like, what is what is happening? But I think I think the other part that I thought was, you know, I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you you sent me a few tweets just. You know, like, I understand, like, the New York Times, they want better pay and everything. But another part was, like, why should we even support the New York Times in general as a magazine? Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, you know, like, I, I personally don't like the New York Times that much just because I think, like, like, Scott Hetchinger on Twitter, he's pointed out a lot about how they, you know, try to really manufacture narratives of crime waves. They're very pro-cop. They're very pro-landlord. During COVID, mm. you know, tons and tons of Sinophobic articles about, like, just, you know, left and right about, like, you know, Asian weird foods, Asian people all having right, COVID, right. The, the, the bat thing, you know, it just, you know, the, the <laughs> Beijing Olympics, <laughs> Beijing Olympics, and every Chinese athlete's a fucking robot in their summer camps. But when Britain does it, they're, <laughs> you know, talented athletes, right? Just waves and waves of that. And I'm truly, like, I support workers organizing, but also I just don't like the organization that much
0: yeah i i was reading through that stuff too and you know i think we're also coming at the the point of view that we're not journalists and i have well i you know i literally have a bachelor's degree in journalism (laughs) i was always (laughs) i was always afraid to go in because i know the salaries are like you know when we we've we've talked to journalists on this pod before and you know they they have pretty low salaries it's um, and like i feel like
1: 50k like 50k 52K, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah and and to have i think it's it's very similar to like you know what we talk about with harvard right i think to have new york times on your resume to to like have it in your twitter bio like it, i think it adds a lot of credibility to uh, a journalist a worker's career right like it opens mm-hmm, doors mm-hmm. Um, I think the other aspect is like, you know, a journalist can write whatever the fuck they want in in a piece. They can write the most progressive piece you've ever seen. And I think it's management with orders from execs and stuff who will censor the pieces, who will say like, you need to tone this down. You didn't write it this way, blah, blah, blah. Mm. I'm sure there are also like biased journalists on the staff, journalists who are pro cop, blah, blah, blah. Um, It is the New York Times, but... I I I wanna I wanna give a little uh what's the right way to say this like forgiveness leeway because this is what I found like doing research on Twitter which um you know I sent you that account uh, yep. the person's name at Chadria uh, she they're the first black curator of the Guggenheim and they pointed out that there's never been a collective statement um you know how come the New York Times uh, union has never spoken out about how shitty some of the stuff, like like we've been talking about. Yeah, um, they've put out. And someone in their comments replied that apparently there is a uh, stipulation in the employee contract at the New York Times that you can't speak out about the New York Times. Like you can't publicly uh. critique it once you sign on as a journalist. There are people who will dig through your Twitter. And like, see if you said anything negative about the New York Times ever, and if you break that, you could be fired. Uh. Um, so, so that's why. When do you remember, like, two years ago, there, during the height of like the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, your senator Tom Cotton, or he's a senator, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he put out that op ed that was like, we should put tanks, like we should bring out the tanks against. Uh, Black Lives Matter uh, oh. protesters. You remember that op-ed? Do you no, that? but n- n- no, but it's Tom. You know, <laughs>
1: <laughs> good old Tom. Good old Tom Conya.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, the New York Times published that op-ed, and the reason why, if you look at the articles that came out critiquing the publication of that op-ed, were around black employees feeling unsafe. Is because federal law protects those journalists because they're speaking about their working conditions, like the publication oh. of that op-ed, like because it was framed as like, oh, Black em- employees feel unsafe in their work environment. That was that's legally protected for them to talk about, but otherwise they're not allowed to critique the New York Times.
1: I see. So, so uh, it's like a circular way of like critiquing yeah. it. I see. Very yeah. indirect. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Is this this thing made me feel, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like exactly. Kind of exactly. Oh. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah. I, I guess there's like there's a little more leeway. You can't critique the things that you don't like. But also, like, I, w- I will say, at this point onward, if you still want to work for the New York Times, I'm like, I-, I have like less sympathy for you now. Like, we, there's a pretty long track record of like, you know, bad publication. The New York Times has done. At, at this point, I feel like the only good thing they do is wire cutter. I love Wirecutter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, wait, wait. But but I thought Wirecutter, like, there's all that stuff with the union thing. They have their, like, own union. I'm not sure how the union structure works with the New York Times because they've got so many things. But yeah, there was, like, that whole thing where, like, journalists were saying, like, oh, don't buy anything from, like, our articles because oh, yes. <laughs> New York Times gets a cut. Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah, like, they're getting explained. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, my, my dislike for the magazine is just, I think, overpowers my... your dislike
0: your dislike <laughs> it for the for the new york times is so big that you just called the new york times a magazine <laughs> yeah.
1: is it not a magazine
0: <laughs> not dude it's a newspaper oh, <laughs> newspaper publication it's not uh, a magazine <laughs>
1: all to me, but yeah. there is a magazine though <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I, I will end it with this is like that that guggenheim curator um they replied back with a point that i thought you might like which was um they called it the problem of the professional class protest. Like yeah. how how is this collective power actually useful if it's not stronger than a quote unquote policy?
1: Yeah, yeah, dude. If if you have an army of one thousand people and <laughs> that's all you could do, like I feel like, yeah, no, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta, I can do a little more. Yo, can we get some at the office going? I don't know. <laughs>
0: Right, like everyone sent out a tweet at once. New yeah. York Times, bad, that's uh, yeah. it, send tweet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No,
1: actually, wait, that's so funny.
0: Just a thousand people with blue checks, you know, tweeting, New York Times, bad. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, going to California, specifically Orange County, Woo. I'd like to start with reading the article title. Uh, why this predominantly white county in Southern California is declaring racism a public health crisis. Um, So a little bit of context on this one. Um, I had to Google this, what a board of supervisors is. Apparently Mm. it's like, it's a California thing and then like a couple other states, but basically it's a governmental body that oversees the operation of county government. Cool. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Anyways, this supervisor yeah supervisor named Andrew Doe he is a Republican of Vietnamese descent put forth this resolution that declared racism as a public health crisis Aaron what are your thoughts
1: yeah I feel like whenever we say predominantly white county in SoCal everyone's gonna think Orange County you know definitely a hotbed for politics and why we keep coming back to it yeah I will say um the reason why he did this I think sounded pretty progressive like this is what i would expect like a you know a, a leftist person or like a uh you know like a, a democrat to say like he he's looking a lot about how you know racism it does have impacts on health indirectly you know whether it's like a lot of chronic health conditions like heart disease cancer etc particularly through like the locations of different health facilities so he was like saying this review you know and looking at racism as a public health crisis will mainly look at the locations of different social service facilities, shelters, and hospitals to make sure underrepresented people are not being, you know, denied access inadvertently. So let's say like like a Southeast Asian, like like a Vietnamese person, right? They they might need access to a hospital, but the nearest one is really far away. Or the nearest one has no translators or something like that. Right. It's like very, you know, health equity based, but also taking race into consideration. So I thought, yeah, I thought really progressive, but a lot of people hated it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought that was really interesting too. Uh I agree that it was it looks like something that a progressive democrat would put out, but I guess like my when you like I don't know, maybe if we were like to take it apart, it would show less progressivism cuz like it mentioned that it was mostly a review, right? Like it would yeah. just like take a look at the things. Um but the the supervisor goes on to say like some people hijack that cost to then promote social programs, big government programs that really yeah. are not necessarily related to what we're talking about here. So, like, what is the review going to actually accomplish? You know, are we just going to, like, review the things and be like, they're racist and that's it? Like yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's either that. It's, it's kind of weird, right? Because he's like, oh, let's see how the government is failing people, but we can't give more money to the government.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's like maybe- a weird no no you you go you Oh, go. I was
1: gonna say like potentially it could mean that he's trying to outsource it to you know private hospitals or private contractors to try to mm. remedy this like I think that's a classic republican and also kind of like a democrat thing to do now very outsourcing everything so the government itself has no responsibility either that or like you said it's it's just a report on how bad things are race-wise
0: Oh, okay. That's not the track I thought you were gonna go down at all. I thought it was like I hate the government so much. I am gonna put forth this resolution and just just to show you how bad government Uh, is. Okay, yeah, that
1: that too, that too, that too. Yeah, I mean, so this resolution it was passed. Yay, yay. But but the reason we brought this up, I, I thought this story was just so funny. So it was adopted by the board. But there were many audience members of Orange County who did not like it, and at least one person yelled an ethnic slur. Specifically, it was I watched the video. It, I was like, "Oh, what slur is it? Is it the C word? Is it the C word?"
0: <laughs> I was like, "Where's <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Which one?" <laughs> the C or the G? <laughs> it was, it was, Two it trains was, in New York. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs>
1: it was. It was neither one. He just said, "Go back to China." And
0: ah, I was like, yes, ah, that okay.
1: slur. Yeah, that slur. But um. It was funny, uh, just because it's like you're doing this whole, you know, resolution on how racism is a public health crisis, and in that same meeting, someone calls you a slur. The uh,
0: the cherry on top would be if like someone had had like if he had a heart attack, you know, like uh, yeah. go back to China, and then the the guy had a heart attack. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, god! But
1: yeah, um, like when I read the story, I can't help but think like, yo, know, this Andrew, like Andrew Doe, like like did did you pick the wrong team or something like, like like i understand like vietnamese and republican but at the same time it's like clearly you can <laughs> you can see how like a lot of people in orange county don't even like a basic suggestion that race can be uh a factor that like changes the health of individuals
0: yeah i when i was reading this article um i i don't know just like the way the quotes and everything this guy was giving huge like Asian dad energy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like I Republican know. Asian dad energy. Um just like, oh, I'm so What did he say? He said like, I'm so far from the left, so you don't have to get on your soapbox like blah. blah, blah. Wait, wait. Yeah. For those of you who care enough to follow, I am far from the left, so don't get on your soapbox and preach to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny to me. Yeah. I think like on one hand, I like the reframing of racism as like something else, right? Like I think pe- People have a hard time calling racism racism. So saying yeah. like, ah, oh, this is a public health crisis, um which is true. It you know, I I see the you know underlying meaning and all that. But on the other hand, Americans don't really care about public health anymore. Yeah, that's, <laughs> you know what that's I true, mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, COVID,
1: yeah, COVID kind of showed that. But <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting. I think Orange County is just such a fascinating place right now because, you know, like this article, the CNN article described. It's it's been a it was a Republican stronghold. Um, you know, Ronald Reagan era. You know, very strong conservative politics, very white, very Republican. But it's changing because so many Asian people, you know, East Asian, Southeast Asian, I guess maybe South Asian too, are are all moving there. So it's like. Slowly changing, and you can see the conflict like this happen in real time when there are these, uh, you know, like situations like this where race is brought up.
0: Yeah, i but like I guess like I was confused when I read that part because like I have understood it as like um, Orange County is still a Republican stronghold. First off, and yeah, and yeah, yeah. like I'm confusion, and then second, like um, I feel like the Asians of Orange County have a. Maybe in practice they're not, but they have a generalization slash stereotype of being Republican.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think the narrative right now is like it's still, it's still Republican, but less Republican than it is now.
0: Mm. I think it's the okay. overall message. But okay, yeah, sure, um, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, Andrew Doe will probably still be a Republican after this, but I think these little moments will be like. You know, turning so things inside his head. You know, so
0: cl- no, I disagree. I feel like I feel like it's like a it's like a, a so close yet so far moment. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it's yeah. like oh, like I don't want to pay my taxes. Damn, these roads are so shitty. Why is why are public schools such shitty education? You know, like a, yeah, so exactly. close, yeah. so close. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I hate racism, but all my colleagues are also racist. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that kind of thing. But, yeah <sighs> all right and that is our episode for this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the podcast, please give us a five star review on Apple or Spotify. It literally takes five seconds to click those stars. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram, at politically Asian podcast and on Twitter, which is still alive at politic Asian Pod. All right, thanks for listening and
0: bye. bye. Nice.